Welcome back to the Indiana Bible College podcast, where today we're going to go to chapel and hear Brother Tristan Manning preach a message entitled, Walking Backwards, Walking Backwards. But before we do that, we want to say thanks for the likes, shares, and subscribes. Continue to do so. It means so much to us. If you have an idea for the podcast or just want to let us know something, shoot us an email at podcast at go to ibc.com that's p-o-d-c-a-s-t at g-o the number two ibc.com we look forward to hearing from you and right now we look forward to hearing brother tristan manning preaching walking backwards thank you jesus amen it's good to be in the house of the lord today I have to say it's kind of hard getting up after preaching like that. That's that's an amazing word, Sister Emily. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, while you're turning to Isaiah chapter 1, uh, I would just like to give honor where honor is due. And um, we have, I'm just going to echo what you already said. We have the best leadership here at IBC, hands down, bar none. We have the best leadership, uh, the best student body leadership. Thank you, Georgian. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Becca. Thank you, Brother Gallion and Sister Gallion, the Kilmans, the Rodenbushes. Thank you all so much for what you do for us. Isaiah chapter 1, and we'll start at verse number 2. It says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. They are gone away backward. I'd like to preach for just a moment, just a short moment, walking backwards. Say it with me, walking backwards. Abraham Lincoln once said, I walk slowly, but I never, I never walk backwards. You see, one of the great temptations in life is to try to walk away from all the stuff from all the hard consequences of decisions we've made. The temptation is perhaps most powerful when we are facing the threatening consequences of good decisions we may have made. Lincoln knew the path forward was going to be hard. You see, he stood at the vanguard of one of the most important changes in the history of this nation, the the abolition of slavery. He was surrounded by men who wanted to walk away from the hard work ahead. He had his work cut out for him. You see, they wanted to retreat from the consequences of the good decision to make the right historic and horribly wrong of slavery. He, He... to abolish that. You see the temptation to treat those 
who are different around us never goes away. Whether the motivation is arrogance or fear, the temptation endures. And resisting the temptation is at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be apostolic. Lincoln said, I walk slowly, but I never walk backwards. Jesus did much the same thing in Luke 9 and verse 51. It says, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. You see, he is determined to do the right and necessary thing regardless of the cost. Determined to walk forward. Determined to press toward the mark. He wants his disciples to go with him even though he senses they will falter and fail along the way. Isn't there anybody in the house that ever feels like you may falter or fail along the way while you're following Jesus? Yes, it might be the right path, but it's going to be a hard path. Nobody ever said it was going to be easy, but it's essential. Jesus knows the immediate future will be hard. It will be terrible for him and for anyone who stands with him. But he knows the place beyond the future that is so close at hand. You see, there's a place beyond your so near future. That place that seems so hard, that seems so impossible. That, that, that situation that, that you may never think that you'll get over. That addiction that you may never get past. My Lord knows a place. I know a place. I won't have to deal with that any longer. Ultimately, the goal is to make heaven our home. You see, but he sees that torturous, excruciating day on the hill outside of the city. Yet on the way of making heaven our home, we are always tempted to falter and revert to old ways. That's what happened with the, with the disciples as they passed through Samaria. See, they're, they're angered by the Samaritans' refusal to give Jesus a place to stay. They shouldn't have been too surprised, though. See, Jews and Samaritans always had this kind of, this kind of beef, if I can put it that way. They, they had this disdain against each other. And the Samaritans knew Jesus was a Jew. Traveling to Jerusalem. You see, he had set his face toward Jerusalem and had turned away from Samaria. They rejected him because they felt that he had rejected The disciples suggest that they punish the Samaritans. They look to the past and, and, and want to act in a familiar way. They are offended for Jesus and for themselves. And they want to retaliate. They suggest that Jesus walk backwards. Walk backwards into the old prejudice. Into the old tactics of reprisal. Can you imagine Jesus' exasperation? He doesn't even try to make this a teaching moment for, for, for different, for him to refer back to. He just rebukes them. 
How many times have I tried to explain to you? This is the way we must walk. This is the way we must talk. This is the way we must carry ourselves. This is the life we have to live. How many times do I have to explain that this is the way? Even on the night before the Lord is crucified, Peter will try to defend Jesus with the sword. You see, Jesus has a different posture as he walks through Samaria. He, he's not offended by the Samaritan's rejection. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. In the ultimate moment of rejection, in the ultimate moment of rejection, as he dies on the cross, he looks out over the crowd, says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus walks with a posture of understanding and forgiveness. He walks with a posture of grace that the disciples cannot understand. You see, they're offended and they're earthbound in their resentment. Jesus merely refuses to take any offense. You see, remember that we always have a choice when someone tries to offend us. Just because someone gives offense does not mean that you must take that offense. See, the Samaritans, they tried to offend Jesus, but he doesn't take the offense. He remains focused on the word and the work ahead of them. He may walk slowly through Samaria, but hear me, somebody, he never turned around and walked backwards. Can I tell somebody today? That it's high time that we quit stooping to the lowly level of trying to offend our peers and to offend our brothers and to offend our sisters and focusing on this, that, and the other. And it's time that we focus on the task at hand. That go ye therefore into all the world, preaching and teaching the gospel. It's high time we get focused on spreading the word. It's high time we get focused on reaching souls. It's high time we get focused on our ministry and off this world. Blessed are the poor, are the pure in heart, for they will see God. A man once wrote about what it means to have a pure heart. Purity of heart is to do, is to will one thing. As Jesus walks through Jerusalem for the last time, he has only one thing in mind. One thing in mind. He's going to do whatever it takes to save a lost and dying world. Every soul, every soul, he will do what he must to captive, to free the captive. Every captive. Everyone held captive to the ways of the past to the ways of retribution and violence, to the politics and religion of separation and disdain. After Jesus rebukes his disciples, Luke tells of three people who come to him saying, Lord, I want to follow you. It's three short encounters. It's, but Jesus cuts straight to the bone of what following him may entail. First person says, I will follow you wherever you go. 
Really? I can imagine the Lord's response. Really? Are you ready to give up every comfort? Come on, somebody hear me today. Every comfort, every security, every safe place to go where he goes. Are you ready? Ask yourself that question today. Are you ready to give up everything that you think you have in order to follow after the Lord? Are you ready to wager your whole life, your destiny, and your entire future on who you think the Lord is? Jesus' response to the next two people emphasizes the point. One says, let me go first and bury my father. The second says, let me say goodbye to my family and my friends. And Jesus cuts them short. See, you and I can choose to let Jesus uncompromising and apparently unreasonable words to be literal or figurative. But the point is the same. Following Jesus is not a part-time gig. Hear me, somebody. It's an all-in commitment today. We're not in it half-heartedly. I'm not one foot in and one foot out. I'm not living a duplicitous lifestyle. I'm all in for the Lord. It's either all in or none at all. You can't step one foot in and one foot out. Of course, there are times of wavering for all of us who go His way, but we can never think that our commitment to Him is the only one among many. Being an apostolic determines everything we do, every action we take. It shapes what we do and how we do it. The world is going through a hard time right now. And across the globe we are faced with who we are and how we live and how we take care of that thing and, and how we treat this thing. As always, the future is unclear, but we know things are changing at a breathlessly fast pace. How can we keep up? The problems we face seem so overwhelming. You see, hatred and mindless acts of violence are everywhere. Unemployment and underemployment. Immigrants and refugees on every border. We look around and we see lost souls in fear and in desperation. Strangers looking for a safe haven. Re residents afraid of strangers and what they might do. What are you going to do? about the people that are lost and dying and hurting and not knowing which way to turn. Nations that used to be distant places on a map or in a book are coming into our living rooms and into our lives with all of their problems. I'd like to revert back to Isaiah chapter 1 just real fast. Why? Verse number 5 says, why should ye be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The, head, the whole head is sick and 
the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Hear me today. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left us a small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Can anyone testify today? It's hard sometimes. Does that sound anything like what today, the, 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 the world that we live in, does that scripture resemble the life that we're living in today? I wish I said I had some real people in the house that could testify. But preacher, how do I get past all of these things? How do I, how do I move forward? Verse 16 says, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. I'm coming to a quick close if the music wants to come. Put away your evil doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat good of the land. And this is the last verse and I'm finished. But if ye refuse and rebel, If ye refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. We could all stand. I'm, I'm coming to a quick close. The temptation for many of us is to try to walk backwards into our fear and backwards into our doubt and uh, rather than slowly forward in the faith. Can I tell you that walking forward at a slow pace is better than walking backward at any pace. Walking forward one step at a time is better than walking backward at any pace. The first and the last question for you and I today is how do we stay with and follow Jesus? How do I follow Jesus? How do I get more of Jesus? Take this whole world and give me Jesus. We are supposed to work for peace even when our visceral reaction is to strike out in self-defense or anger. This altar is open if you feel like coming down. We're called to build bridges, not walls today. We're called to love people. Not to try to push them away. 
not to try to cause offense to our peace. Many in the world may choose to try to walk backwards, but apostolics today, we cannot walk backwards one more day, one more hour, one more minute. There's a new, there's a new day dawning. There's a new hour dawning. What will you do with it? How will you respond? Will you be afraid of it? Or will you take that opportunity that the Lord's given you and minister to a heart and reach out to a soul and say, hey, I've got what you need. You don't have to walk backwards into that fear and into that doubt any longer. I've got something greater. I've got something stronger. I've got something that can take that addiction. I've got something that can change your mind. a new world a new day dawning let's not be afraid of it hallelujah 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 come on somebody lift your hands